your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Send that man to the All-Star Game. What's up? It's Orange and Blue Bloods. EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer with you in Odyssey Original. Hosted by Odyssey WFAN. Plenty to get to. We'll be talking about the Knicks win over the Nets, snapping the nine-game losing streak to Brooklyn. We'll also be talking about one of the maybe lesser talked-about stories because of what the Knicks are playing, the struggles of R.J. Barrett and what that means for his future on the team. And we will be previewing the Wednesday night showdown between the Hawks and the Knicks. Plenty to get to on this episode of Orange Blue Bloods. Tommy Beer, how you feeling? We got to get JB to the All-Star game. This is getting out of control at this point. What more does this man have to do? What more <laughs> does this man have to do? Um, another brilliant game um, to watch the and, and to watch the bromance between the Hart and and and, uh, and Brunson develop even more, um, and, and Hart playing well with the second unit. A lot to be excited about. As uh, you know, uh, Nick fans are falling in love with this team as we record this pod on Valentine's Day afternoon. Yeah, it's fitting that uh, you know. Josh Hart would have, you know, one of his best games, not just as Nick, but in his career. Uh, day before Valentine's Day is the second game as Nick against the rival Brooklyn Nets. A fabulous game from him. Awesome to see the chemistry that's building between those guys. So we will be talking about that in just a minute. Again, this is Orange Blue Bloods, an Odyssey original a podcast. You can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free uh, Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature wherever you're listening so you can get these episodes whenever we drop. Uh, also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. We're on the Odyssey Sports Channel, where you can catch not just our segments, but the full episode of Orange and Blue Bloods on YouTube. So make sure you check that out as well. Odyssey Sports is where you'll find the YouTube channel. So let's talk about this Knicks win. So the Knicks uh, beat the uh, Brooklyn Nets um, 124-106. Massive game from Jalen Brunson. Another 40-point burger. Uh, this one against the Brooklyn Nets. So you know that had to feel good. Jay- Josh Hart had, again, one of his best uh, games as a pro. 27 points. 10 for 14 from the field, four for six from three. The efficiency between those two guys was just phenomenal in this one. A game that was tight through three quarters, but the Knicks pulled away uh, in the in late in the third and in the fourth quarter and made this one kind of turn into a laugher. So uh, we could talk about Brunson, and we certainly will. But I do want to start with Josh Hart again because again, it just it's 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 really it's so eye opening just what he's bringing to the table. Obviously, the shot making is great, and we saw how great he was offensively in this game. But the energy he seems to just bring when he steps onto the floor is just different when he's on the bench. And it seems like it's starting to become infectious, his play. How how and why has Josh Hart meshed so well with this team thus far? Because I think that this has gone as good as anybody could have expected for the first two games. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I think we all were expecting good things out of Jalen Brunson and, you know, that he would play well. He has exceeded those expectations. And in a similar fashion, it's obviously a very short sample size. It's only two games, but you could not have asked for anything more than, than and, and we were higher on, on heart, I think, than most yeah. you know, people concerned about his first round draft pick. Listen, yeah. I think those, 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 those concerns have been quelled. Uh, you can put those yeah. aside right now because, because the Knicks found themselves a, a rotation piece here. That's a, an important player um, as they kind of progress going forward. And we'll see how it all shakes out um, again, you know, keeping on the, the hearts and balance. Valentine's theme. This is the honeymoon phase, um, but it certainly has <laughs> been an enjoyable honeymoon uh, this far. And in terms of the reasons for the success is, is, is the reasons that we were optimistic, um, even if cautiously so, uh, when they acquired them or even discussed 
potentially acquiring. He just brings the things that you need to win and that this Knicks team in particular needs to win. Defense on the perimeter, rebounding, especially on the defensive glass. Um, Knicks have plenty of good offensive rebounders, but sometimes their guards can give up too many long rebounds and, and, and yeah. they can get take advantage of that way. Um, and, you know, just filling the holes, um, you know, patching up, you know, defensive mistakes. He's, he's loud offensively. Even taking fouls, there was one play where he really fouled Nick Claxton hard instead of letting him yeah. get a layup. That's something we haven't seen enough. Just those smart basketball IQ decisions um, that have led to, you know, every coach that Hart has ever played for has raved about him. From Jay Wright uh, to Chauncey Billups calling him literally the heart and soul of the team a few months ago. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what we've seen from the Knicks. Really, the, the three-point shooting was the biggest question mark we had. Um, I look back on the numbers. Over his last 15 games with Portland, he was 8 of 40 from downtown. Wow. He's 6 of 9 for the Knicks. So um, I don't know if we, how, how excited or sustainable that aspect is. But he's been a solid, basically league average three-point shooter. Um, so you don't expect him to shoot 50% anywhere close from downtown. But if he can make 37%, you know, 35%, something in that range, um, he certainly can keep defenses honest at least. He's not somebody, um, unlike a Ben Simmons, where you can forget about him on one oh, hand of the court. Um, and uh, we can talk about that as well if we yeah. want to press some Nets fans. Um, but yeah, just uh, everything that you hoped Hart would bring to the table, he's done that and some more. Yeah, I mean, I thought that he sets the tone. To me, he always sets the tone with his physicality. So I think yeah. that when you mentioned the fouling on the, uh, Nick Claxton, who we know struggles at the free throw line, uh, kind of setting the tone for when he sets on the floor. Like Nick started this game pretty well because Brunson was just red hot again. Um, but as that second quarter kind of got out of hand, um, the Knicks got down a little bit in that second quarter. I think they kind of came back partly because Hart kind of reset the team. Um, the way he played in the third quarter, obviously, in the fourth quarter was just spectacular. And he just brings an edge. You know, I think that there are, in some ways, I think that even though maybe Grimes and maybe Barrett have more talent than him, I think he's such he's such more of a veteran and he's had so much more experience. And, and he has a higher basketball IQ than those guys right now. That in some ways, he's more effective than those guys right now. So um, when you're playing with other good players, because he's playing next to Randall, he's playing against next to uh, next to Brunson, he 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 thrives playing next to those guys. And then when he's playing with the backup guys, whether it be a Toppin, whether it be a Hardenstein, it seems like to me he's lifting those guys up in terms of how they're playing as well. Um, Hardenstein was plus 29 in the game last night. Uh, he made all of his field goals. He was uh, exceptional in the game. As well, Emmanuel quickly in just 28 minutes, 14 points, four for eight from three. Uh, he's played well next to Josh Hart. So it, it really feels like just um, his presence on the floor, you know, we kind of forget that this is a, a pretty young team, at least the, the, the players that are playing. You know, uh, Fournier and Rose are the, you know, the oldest guys on the team. Those guys don't get any minutes. So everyone else that's playing are essentially young players. You could say maybe Randall and Brunson are maybe in their prime. But, um, but any kind of veteran presence you could bring on a team like this is going to help. And I think, to me, this is feeling a lot like what the Derrick Rose trade was the first year the Knicks uh, made that trade, where the Knicks were playing pretty well, but it was clear they needed some like veteran seasoning, a guy who's been there before, um, and a guy who kind of just knew what it took to win. And Rose came in, and you see how he just changed the team. Like The team went from being a team that maybe could make the playoffs to, you know, okay, this is like definitely a playoff team that can maybe, uh, you know, maybe get to that fourth spot potentially, which is what they did. This Josh Hart trade feels like that. You got a guy who's a veteran who knows what he's doing, and now you look at his team and say, "Okay, this was a decent team that maybe they could sneak into the playoffs." Now you say, "Okay, this is a pretty good team," and now you wonder what they could do once they actually get there. 
a hundred percent. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about it over the next two months. And we'll talk about it next week when there aren't games, particular, you know, games to discuss when the teams are off from the old side break. But just thinking big picture, if you're one of those top four or five teams in the in the East, you do not want to play this Knicks team in the first round. Um, and no. I think that's what Tibbs wants. I think that's the identity he's tried to preach in day one. And now he has the dogs to put out there. Um, you know, you do not want to, you, you know, they'll be, they'll be definitely be the underdogs and it'll be a fight to, yeah. to win a couple of games and to, let alone win the series. But again, they're going to compete and, and they have a puncher's chance. Um, uh, as far as, as far as Hart goes, um, and you mentioned Hartenstein as well. Like they just, those guys complement each other's game terrifically, just pair yeah. so well. We saw, um, Hartenstein hit Hart with the backdoor pass for a layup, um, yeah. threw one pass a little bit low, but expect to see that a lot more. Um, Hart's a good cutter. Hartenstein's a great passer, especially from the high post, sees the floor well, plays really well by other players with high basketball IQ, like I like Emmanuel quickly. Um, the I Hart J Hart combo has locked 48 minutes together over these first two games. Knicks are plus 36. They've outscored their wow. opponents at 36 points. Um, the offensive rating is like something like 154. Again, small sample size, um, artificially boosted by Hart knocking down every shot that he takes. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there's the defense is going to be consistent. Um, you know, that's what something he's going to bring every night. IQ again, um, you know, he's kind of lost in the shuffle um, with the Villanova brothers hoopla, but he continues yeah. to do all the right things. His defensive, you know, his his mind defensively, the way he can double down, dig down on big guys in the post and run back and, and find the open shooter is just really something um, that you don't see every day. So it, it makes him a very valuable contributor. Um, we know he's going to knock down three, so he's going to contribute on both sends of the floor. Um, so there's just a lot to like there. Um, and uh, yeah, the Rose point is a very good one. Somebody had mentioned on Twitter, is this the best midseason acquisition since, you know, and then you could definitely put Rose in, in that conversation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to your point, the reason why the Knicks are not just, a you know, trending towards not just a, okay, a playing team, but, you know, a playoff team potentially um, and, and, and a scary playoff team at that is they've had the best midseason acquisition um, in, in, you know, outside of Rose in, in many a year and the best free agent acquisition they've had potentially in the in the franchise's history um you know it's it, up there with the yeah. al houston's and the, yeah. and the and the masons and the starks and and those guys and brunson again small sample size still is a ways to go um, but we know the knicks have not had much success in the in the free agent market especially um this millennium so uh you know you, you pair those two guys together the chemistry they have the chemistry hard is already creating with hardenstein um and nick fans are optimistic very optimistic and they actually and they have reasons to be so um this is a fun team to watch an exciting team to watch and it seems like they're they're hitting their stride right now um so we'll see if they can keep it up yeah and and you mentioned the the brunson signing i mean i've been saying since december i think one of our first episodes i thought i first topic hey is brunson the best free agent signing is Allen Houston. I mean, now that's starting to become more and more like a reality. 40 points in this game. And he's starting to make this look easy. That's what's kind of scary. And I tweeted last night, I was like, look, we kind of forget Jalen Brunson is 26 years old. Again, because some of these guys have played in the league for a long time, we kind of think these guys are older than they are. I mean, he's entering his prime. He's not even really in his prime yet, per se. Uh, there's a chance there may be, may be another step to his game that he can, that he can reach. And what we talked about kind of before we recorded today, is what I like what I've seen from Brunson is he's whenever there's a big game or a big situation, it seems like he can tap into a different level of his game than we see normally when he plays, which is already a pretty high level. We saw it in the playoffs with Dallas where it became, you know, it was time to pay up. 
and he knew he's gonna have a big have a big playoff series to get the money he wanted in the offseason. We saw how he played against Utah. Um, we saw now he has not made the all-star game. It's a catastrophe that, that has not happened. And we've seen since those all since not making the all-star game, the numbers he's putting up, they're like Dame Lillard, Steph Curry type numbers. I mean, he he's playing a, at an elite level when it comes to point guard play. When I start to look at the rest of the point guards in this league, he ranks way higher than I think maybe people would have said coming into the season. I think if you told someone, hey, maybe he's a top 10 point guard, some people would roll their eyes. Some people would say, I don't know about that. I mean, he's locked top 10 point guard right now. But now I'm wondering, hey, is he top seven? Is he top eight? Is he top six? Like, he's playing that well right now. I mean, I mean, how do you rank Brunson with the rest of the point guards with the way he's playing so far? Yeah. Um, just and, and to your point, the fact that, you know, last year at this time, you know, 13 months ago, he was a six man on a, on a middling, yeah. you know, on a, on a 500 team. And, and still, um, we've said it before and we'll say it again. It's mind boggling that the Mavs had this guy in their building for three and a half years. And Rick Brunson came to him and said, you know, last January and said, listen, I'll, okay, before we, you know, let's, before we, you know, figure out in the off season, four years, 55 million, we'll sign it. And the Mavs said, nah, we'll wait. We're good. You know? Um, yeah, and you have to just, it, 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 it's amazing that yeah. they, they made that mistake and, and they're paying for it dearly and it's benefited the Knicks a great deal. Um, in terms of his production, this month has been off the charts. Um, since it, it just happens to coincide with the announce the the league's announcement of the All Star reserves, that was February second. Knicks have played six games since then. Brunson averaging thirty two point five points, six point three assists versus just one point two turnovers. It's something we don't talk about enough. Is how well he takes care of the yeah. basketball while shooting 60.9% from the floor and 55.9% from downtown. That's mind-boggling efficiency. We didn't, we, we, you know, last night, the 40 points, zero assists. First player in Knicks franchise history to score 40-plus points uh, while shooting above 70% from the floor without committing a single total. A single turnover. Yeah, turnover. Yeah. Uh, just the just, just 14th player in franchise history to match those numbers. Uh, you know, 40.70% shooting and zero turnovers. Um, you know, this month he's averaging more points than Joel Embiid. He's averaging more assists than Fred Van Vliet. He's shooting a higher percentage from the floor than Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's quite literally playing at, at a level. I don't know. We've seen, you know, Marbury never played at this high. Um, do we have to go back to Will Clyde Frazier, you know, for a two week or a month stretch? from a point guard, um, we might have to, that, that's how as well, you know, Michael Ray Richardson, you know, we got to, there's, there's some conversations to be had yeah. um, just to, as well as he's playing. Um, the question you bring up is a very interesting one as far as best point guard in the NBA. Um, when you have that conversation, is it, you know, uh, Jalen Brunson's been better than Trey Young this year by any right. standard yeah. measure, you know, period, point blank, far more efficient. Um, you know, they, they both have flaws defensively, but, you know, just he's been a better player. Does that, does that, you know, if we're saying he's, if we're ranking the top 10 point guards this season, uh, Brunson's far ahead of Young. If you're talking about best point guard in the NBA, nine out of 10 GMs, I assume would still take Young considering his age, scoring ability, um, ability to distribute, right. um, you know, all those other things. I'm not, I'm not saying that's right. Um, and, and again, and when you, when you factor in leadership, um, ability to perform on the big stage, Young has also played really well in the postseason as well. All that stuff gets, right. gets, gets factored in, but there are very few point guards that have played better than, than Jalen Brunson this season, you know, Ste outside of Steph Curry, John Morant. Um, I'm not sure if you can say anyone definitively has had a much better season than, than, uh, than, yeah. uh, 
yeah, Steph, Ja, I say definitely. Um, but then it gets, it, I mean, it starts to really, start to really kind of hem and haw the next guys. I mean, okay, Kyrie Irving, I mean, statistically, you could say yes. Okay, maybe I give you him. Uh, what do we think about Tyrese Halliburton? I mean, Halliburton, great assist guy. Uh, yep. Brunson, a better scorer. Um, what do we think about uh, De'Aaron Fox? Their numbers are pretty similar. Uh, yep. Both guys have been having tremendous seasons, but, uh, you know, I don't think Brunson's that far off. You know, and, you know, James Harden, is he a true point guard? Like, then right. you get into the questions about some of these other guys where it's like, are they even real point guards? Brunson, right. to me, uh, definitely a top 10 guy. And I agree. I think he's had a much better season than Trey Young this year. And to think, think about even just how the point guard landscape changed in the offseason or even think about the last few seasons. Like, Milwaukee had to give up three first-round picks to get Drew Holiday. Like, the 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 Hawks had to give up three first-round picks to get another point guard in John Tate Murray. Like, the Knicks just signed this guy with cap space. Like, nope. like, and I know, you know, and then, then they traded, you know, some, some guys that were right. contracts and, you know, second round picks that they had to clear the cap space. That's it. They didn't give up any massive assets for a guy that's averaging 30 something points a game for the last month of the season. Like, I mean, this, this is a absolute coup by the New York Knicks. The fact and, that and, this doesn't get talked about enough, enough is and, crazy. And the contract they signed him to, you know, my assumption was they Reasonable, would have right? like 125 million, which, you know, it makes them a middling team again to, I, I certainly didn't expect this from Brunson, um, but the fact that they got him for essentially a hundred million, I think he's the 17th highest paid point guard or 16th in the, in the league this season. Um, when you add that value on top of the, uh, of the production, it really is startup. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's a star. I mean, that's what I mean. We talk about, you know, like, you know, when the Knicks are going to get a star player and we know we need a real superstar and I'm not saying Brunson's there, but I mean, they signed a star player for this offseason. Um, that's why he, he should be an all star. And we'll see what happens with uh, with Jalen Brown and whether or not he plays. If he doesn't right. play, I would think Brunson would be the next man up. But again, who knows what Adam Silver is going to do. But it, it's I mean, it, it was it was crazy. And it's funny because the last game we talked about it in the podcast we recorded yesterday that, you know, because the Nets essentially didn't really have much defenders in the backcourt that maybe this is a game Brunson gets off. You don't have to worry about Kyrie as well. And here you go, 40-point burger against Brooklyn, and, you know, the loser streak's over. And the other thing we talked about is the the the, the Nets are going to put their best – might put their best defensive right. player on Brunson. They put Mikael Bridges on him, who's universally regarded as one of the elite perimeter defenders in the NBA, uh, if not the best. Um, so for Brunson to do that against his former buddy, um, I'm just looking at the point guard list. Luka Doncic, obviously better better than Brunson. I don't know if you want to consider him a point yeah, guard. Yeah, I hate um, calling those guys point guards. Like, I to me, he – He's like he's not a, he's a guy who, who brings the ball up the court, but I don't call him up. He's not a point I, guard to me. But I agree. You know. Le, uh, LeBron, you know, basically runs the point for for right. Lakers. He's not a point guard, you know. Um, Dame Lillard, obviously in the conversation. Chris Paul, Brunson's had a better year than Paul, more durable, obviously. Um, Drew Holiday, better two way player if you want to factor in defense, etc. Um, Darius Garland's having a good season for the Cavs. Could could certainly make a case. Yeah, um, those are the names you're going to get in the conversation. But again. Have any of those guys played definitively better than than Jalen Brunson? It's hard to argue that they right. that they clearly you know are are a step above based on production during the 2023-2022-23 NBA season. Yeah, some of these guys to me it's just their name and their stature, yes. what they've done yes. in the previous seasons. Like we yes. know some of those guys are superstar players, star players, but when you, you look at production, what they've done this season, there's not a lot of point guards you can say are better than Jalen Brunson. I mean, to me, like I said, if I'm ranking him, I think he's finding my he's finding a way to my top ten. Easily. Yep. Oh, now, where does he go beyond? The way he goes beyond that, I mean, I don't know, but I, I would think he'd be somewhere around the seven or eight range the way he's playing. I mean, Knicks are getting an absolute tremendous play from him. I mean, you did talk about uh the Nets real quickly and, and watching this game. Um, 
this was an interesting game in terms of just like how everything worked out in terms of there's a you know they look Knicks may blow these guys out early then that's kind of had a really good second quarter especially then movie was really good then the Knicks pull away in that second half pretty much dominating them the rest of the way I, I said in the last podcast this was a, not a Nets team I worried about in regards to them Knicks being able to catch them in the standings like last night was just confirmation for me that this is a good Nets team but that they're gonna have problems I feel like closing games when games get tighter in the second half, fourth quarter, when you need to get buckets, when you need to stop a certain star player who's just going off, you need to have somebody that can answer that. And to me, like that game last night showed that they don't have that player. And they'll beat a handful of teams who, but just by how they defend, how hard they play, um, how together they play. I think they played a pretty good game, but they're going to have trouble against really good teams. And I think that when you look at these standings now, only three get back in the loss column. Nets are going to be a little bit of trouble to stay out of that playing. Agreed. Um, they're a scrappy bunch. They they play the right way. They share the ball. They're good defensively. They knock down three pointers. Um, they, at least they certainly did last night. Um, it's kind of funny. The you know, and we talked about on Monday. They're reminiscent of that 2018-19s Nets team that you know before they got Kyrie. You know, up and coming players, and you know, yeah. and, and, you know. Um, <laughs> the funny thing now is they the Nets have all these great ancillary pieces. Now they need a superstar like KD or you <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. or Harden or somebody um, to kind of be that closer for them um you know so that that's that's going to be the question for him you know they're going to be nights where, where Dinwiddie um plays as well as he did in the second quarter in the fourth quarter um Mikhail Bridges played poorly especially on the offensive end last night he'll play much better in games ahead and they'll compete and they'll stay in games but you're right um you know they're they're only uh, uh, I believe they're two games ahead in the standings now um ahead of the Knicks uh I can double check that real quick yeah two games yeah three back in the lost column but two games overall I believe right right so you know are they gonna you know assuming the Knicks play a couple games they're five games over 100 um through 55 games right now or 54 games whatever the case might be um are the Nets gonna be able to match that are they gonna be able to play above 500 um assuming even the Knicks play 500 ball the rest of the way it's gonna be a challenge for them um I don't yeah. I don't think they're gonna lose six in a row um but you know stringing together that 18 of 18 and two 20 game run that they had is, is not coming anytime soon. Um, you know, with KD and Kyrie not no longer there. So um, yeah, I think there's a very realistic possibility, if not a probability, um, that the Knicks can make a, a, a significant run uh, at the Nets. Um, last night mattered, obviously, um, to uh, you know, to bring them within two games. Um, and they play again, I believe one of the first four or five games after the break um, is is back in New York against Brooklyn. So that, again, will, ha- will, will have uh, increased uh, significance uh, as we start calendar watching. The other thing to note, um, Heat lost last night uh, to yep. Denver. Um, they, they and the Hawks got uh, gave up 144 points to the Hornets and lost. Um, so now the Knicks are uh, just a half game back of the Heat for that the Heat are in the sixth seed, and they're two and a half games ahead of the Hawks. Um, Wednesday night, Knicks will uh, uh, travel to Atlanta for that final game before the All Star break. Um, if the Knicks could somehow, you know go into the all-star break on a real positive momentum and beat Atlanta. They'd be three and a half games ahead of the Hawks um, in that seventh and eighth spot um, going into the, going into the all-star break, potentially tied for six, depending, you know, depending on how Miami does these next couple of days. So um, certainly reasons, again, reasons for Nick fans to be optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. All good news right now for the Knicks, except for one thing. Let's talk about it right now. We do have to talk about it. The Knicks, had a feel-good win against the Nets, snapping that nine-game lose streak against Brooklyn. But it was a no-show for one of their key players. R.J. Barrett had just four points 
in 24 merits minutes. Um, to me, he didn't look like himself at all, and he hasn't looked like himself lately. Uh, the addition of Hart seems to have even further exasperated, exacerbated, that's the word, um, just how poorly he's been playing of late. Is it time to be worried about Barrett, uh, Tommy? Because I've been one who's, who's, who's often kind of pushed back against concerns about RJ. Um, but, the, 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 I mean, last night was kind of alarming. I mean, he just didn't look like he had it at all. And considering how much he's been struggling of late, uh, what did you make of what you saw from him last night? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to beat this drum, but I've been beating it for a little bit now, and I think there's definitely cause for concern. Um, you know, obviously it wasn't just last night over his last five games, shooting 34% from the floor, um, 64% from the free throw line, 30% from downtown. Um, you know, it, it, worse than that is defensively uh, was, again, you know, didn't look engaged, didn't look. It, the, the crazy thing yeah. is now you see the contrast when Hart comes in the game and you see the way he plays both. Ends exactly. Ends. Before it was, it's not, it's almost not as noticeable if you just see, you know, uh, a, a sort of pretty looking girl yeah. next to a, a supermodel. You're like, oh, my, you know, the contrast, you know, a, a <laughs> yeah. Star, yeah. you know. Um, and that's what we've seen, um, you know, go, and, I, and I wrote about it last week, you know, going back basically um, to the start of January, the Knicks have been, you know, he, he's had the, by far the worst plus minus um, on the Knicks, one of the worst in the entire Eastern Conference, um, just in terms of his, uh, the, the Knicks getting outscored when he's on the floor. Uh, it was minus 84 last time I checked um, in, 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 the, in a 15 game sample size. So that's that those are alarming numbers. Um, the efficiency isn't great. Um, and, and again, the one thing you could rely on RJ to do was, you know, at least give effort. Um, it just hasn't played with that same level of spark. I don't know if he's dealing with a nagging injury. I don't know if there's something going on off the court, um, but this certainly isn't a Barrett we saw last season, especially the second half of last season, you know, when he was yeah. essentially a 25, five and five guy um, shooting 40% from three, that just isn't there. Um, the one thing we've, you know, we've always credited with Barrett has been his ability to bounce back, whether it's a bad first half and play well in the fourth quarter or a bad two months of the season then play well for two months. The inconsistency is maddening, um, but at least he has that bounce back ability. Um, we'll see if, you know, he, they can at least, um, you know, he, if he can get back on track because if he doesn't, he's going to lose a lot of minutes and it's only going to, you know, and, 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 and you know, EJ, the, I said it, the, the, the moment, the, the day, the day of the, after the, the Josh Hart trade, I said, I don't want to look too, too far ahead, but, if this could be a, a situation where, you know, this could be the, the first thing that leads to the domino falling of the Knicks trading R.J. Barrett. Yeah. Um, and I'd be lying if I didn't say over the last couple of days, if the Knicks had traded Barrett and, say, Grimes and draft picks for, for Donovan Mitchell, a Brunson, Mitchell, Hart, Randall, Mitch, Rob lineup um, would, would be pretty fun to watch nowadays. Again, that's spelled you Mel. Would. And, and and we don't want to look too too yeah. too you know maybe they don't if that if they if they trade Mitchell maybe they don't have the first rounder to trade to get Hart um, but that again when you when you have when it, when you have a guy like Hart who's that that Swiss Army knife um, and he fits in well so fits in so well alongside Randall and Brunson um, uh, RJ's flaws are even more you know are, are showcased and you know they just again they're just they they stand out that much more um, when you have a guy like Hart well again RJ was minus seven. In 25 minutes in a game, the Knicks won by 18 points last night. Hart was plus yeah. 23. Um, that's 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 something we could see happen more and more going forward. And if that continues, you're going to see RJ's minutes dip while Hart's minutes continue to increase. Yeah, and RJ, it's, it's important to know RJ, I think in the fourth quarter, had went back to the locker room for a, a, a period of time. So 
Um, it's funny. My dad texted me. He noted that it, it, he, he thought maybe RJ was wearing some kind of back brace. He thought he saw it through his uniform. So maybe it's a back issue. Who knows? But um, something is not right, clearly, with Barrett. And, yes, it is concerning at this point. Because, to me, when I think of RJ, like, one of his biggest – one of his best attributes is that, like, to me, he's almost like an innings eater in baseball. Like, he can play, like, any amount of minutes. And it might not be the most efficient minutes, but, like, he, he'll put up the volume of points and, and production you need to for him to stay on the floor. Um, if his minutes are going to come down, he's going to be this inefficient that his, his value as a player decreases mightily, you know, yes. and like last night was a great example. You know, he only plays 24 minutes. Uh, he only gets you four points, eight shots. He didn't have the time. Like typically because, you know, he plays 40 minutes, he could have a terrible 24 minutes and still end up with 25 points because he may <laughs> rattle off the next seven baskets he may make. And then that's, you know, it looks like his game's pretty good. Uh, he's not, If he's not going to have those opportunities to have those kind of games, he's going to have to be way more efficient and come out of the gates a lot stronger than he has throughout his career. So that's but alarming. The best thing you could yeah. say about RJ over his first three seasons was his production total. You know, he's the first yeah. guy uh, under the age of 23 to have, you know, a thousand points and 500 rebounds and 500 assists. And those were counting. He just piled up counting stats. And the argument, the pushback against other folks was, yeah, he does that because he plays a ton of minutes and he gets a ton of shots. And he's been in a situation where they need him to get shots. And they've been a bad team, so there's yeah. plenty of rebounds. Um, again, you're 100% right. If those minutes, his per 48 minute production was never impressive. That's why his PR and his VORP and, you know, some of those, those wards, some of those other advanced statistics, um, you know, he was at, at the top of his draft class in terms of total points and total rebound, you know, near the top yeah. five and all those and, and number one in total minutes. Now, if you look at those other advanced metrics, he's, you know, 15th, 16th, uh, middle of the pack. Um, if he doesn't have those minutes to compile those numbers, uh, it spells, you know, uh, trouble for, for, for the, you know, for uh, RJ and the team. And it's something I kind of noted earlier in the season, but I'm going to say it again and say it more forcefully. Uh, RJ Barrett, assuming he's back on the team next season, he's come back in maniacal shape. I, I think that if there's one thing I will say about him, and now, now he's, he does play a lot of minutes, so it's just that he's in pretty good shape. But uh, you see him dying on some of these screens. You see him, you know, kind of not having the attention to detail. There are times when he's going under on Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a clear shooter, like guy who's going to pull up from three. And, you know, one time he missed, but then it forced Hart to run after a rebound that shouldn't have happened. And they ended up getting the ball to somebody else who hit open three. And, like, it, it, I think to me one of the problems is he he's – because of the production he's supposed to bring offensively, he's giving out everything he's got offensively. His defense has suffered, I think, because when I think about some of the best two-way players, uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, guys like that, those guys are in tip-top, like, phenomenal, like, top 1% shape. I can't say that about RJ Barrett. I, I just can't. I don't I don't think he plays that way. I don't think he plays that hard on, on, on a night to night basis, on a possession to possession basis. Like you see the energy Josh Hart plays with, see how physical he is, how much he runs after loose balls, how he's playing every possession like it's his last. I just see too many possession with RJ where um he's in the area, but it just feels like he's a step slow. It just feels like for some reason he just can't move his feet fast enough to stay in front of guys. I don't know how many times uh he was whether it's Cam Thomas or didn't really just just went right around him. You know, and it's just like, I, I just think that to me, it seems like he's hit some kind of physical wall this year. I think part of that is because of the responsibilities he's had with trying to be a two-way player. I don't think he's in the shape to do it. I really don't. And I think that that's a big issue. Uh, Randall, I think one of the differences we saw from this year to last year is that he is in better shape this year than he was last season. The year before was all NBA season. He was in this, you know, again, similar top 1% type physical conditioning. And then he had the best year of his career up until that point. 
RJ needs to do whatever the hell Randall did that season and get himself in that kind of shape next season. I think that's going to be crucial. I know Tibbs had challenged Derrick Rose this year to get in the best shape of his life. Didn't seem to work for Derrick Rose per se, but he's issued those challenges before to Randall and Rose. He needs to issue that challenge to, to Barrett and say, hey, we need to drop five, 10 pounds. You need to come in the best shape of your life because the minute your minutes are uh, are going to are demanding it. Like your, yep. your minutes are going to be on the line for you if you don't come in that kind of shape. Because I have other guys who can come in and contribute. You got, they got to issue the challenge. A hundred percent. And, you know, the one thing RJ has, you know, go work in his direction is he's still 22 years old. You know, he's not going to turn right. 23 for another couple of months. So certainly, you know, these are typically st- things you can kind of work out in college and, you know, in, in years gone by. Um, RJ never had that, you know, that luxury. Um, so he's, he's come in right away and, 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 and performed and exceeded expectations early on. Yeah. Um, now he's failing to live up to those expectations he built up over his first three years in the league. Um, and it's on him again, you sign a, you sign a, a, a near max contract, um, a hundred plus million dollar contract. Um, the expectations are going to be ratcheted up and it's on you to deliver. He hasn't to this point, um, more, cons- you know, a, a greater concern is things are not only, um, not living up to expectations, they're trending in the wrong direction. Um, maybe he needs a reset, you know, a, a reset, you know, going to the Bahamas, wherever he's going to go for, for, uh, the all-star break, um, will, will potentially maybe, you know, uh, help him out. But that was, you know, it's funny. I just, I just thought of it now. That was a question that people were asking prior to the start of the season. Can RJ Barrett, make an all-star bid the season like is he on that trajectory? yeah i thought he would yeah. you know and and he just certainly has been anything but thus far yeah i mean like think about again jimmy butler uh you know Jalen brown like think about the physical conditioning those guys are in and yeah. you ask yourself is rj anywhere near that i say absolutely not like i I'm just being honest you know and, and i don't think there's any reason why he can't but he's gonna have to dedicate himself to that uh, i think he dedicates himself to uh, being available, I think he plays through injuries, plays through sicknesses. We don't know that. I think he dedicates himself to uh, being there for his teammates, regardless of how poorly he plays. But I think that um, that's the next step in his game. He wants to become the star player that he I know he wants to become. Yeah. I think he's got to get in much better shape um, next season. So uh, let's get to this game. That will be the final game, as Tommy mentioned, before the All-Star break. The, Hawk, the Knicks uh, play their last game against the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta on Wednesday. Knicks have... Uh, excuse me, the Hawks came off a brutal loss to the Hornets in which they've given up 144 points. Speaking of teams that, like, didn't do much during the trade deadline outside of the, the move for City Bay, I just don't know what the Hawks are doing. I mean, they, they, they've they been trying to trade Johnny Collins for, like, it feels like five years. And they they signed him this offseason and still were trying to trade him this trade deadline. He's still on the team. Um, they're, I, I just don't know what to make of the Hawks at this point. But they will be facing the Knicks. On Wednesday, the Knicks, are, as Tommy mentioned, two and a half games up on the Hawks for that seventh spot. Um, it feels to me that this this dynamic with these two teams, it feels like it, it's changed a little bit with Josh Hart. Um, I'm not saying Josh Hart's not to be a star player or anything, but the Knicks have had so many challenges guarding the Hawks players, particularly when Mitchell Robinson hasn't been out there. But it feels like now with Josh Hart and the, the multiple positions he can defend, the Hawks don't look as daunting a challenge for the Knicks as they did maybe a week ago. Do you agree? Yeah. I I mean, listen, I think that, you know, the Hawks, one of their great strengths, obviously outside of young was their, their strong, you know, their, their bigs. DeAndre Hunter's a great, tremendous defender. Um, Clint Capella obviously can control the paint. Um, You know, uh, Ogongwu has has played really well in spot minutes at times. Um, And now they just added Sadiq Bey, uh, another sharp shooting four. 
um, where they're trying to work into the mix. Um, as you mentioned, that the John Collins situation remains, you know, it's, again, it seems like he's the most popular name on the trade deadline, um, every trade deadline during the offseason, and, and yet he's still a hawk. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, as far as, you know, matchups are concerned, um, hard also helps, but I think that the greatest advantage that the Knicks have, um, certainly in years gone past, is they have to is they make the Hawk guards, uh, particularly Trey Young, work defensively. Um, yep. You know, and that's and that's the thing that you know they weren't able to do when Alfred Payton started the first two games of that Hawk series, um, inexplicably so. Um, now you have Jalen Brunson, even though Murray's, you know, you, you assume Murray's going to get um, the, the all the, the most of the minutes he's going to start at guarding him. But you know, again, Brunson is very adept at running pick and roll. Um, so him and Grimes should run plenty of pick and rolls and, and switch off and make Trey Young switch on to Brunson and have Brunson put Trey Young in the torture chamber every opportunity yeah. he gets, get him to foul trouble, make him work on the defensive end. Um, uh, and, and, and to Tim's credit, I feel like we've seen a lot more of those one-two pick and roll options with whether it be quickly, whether it be with Quinn Grimes. I've been yelling about it again pretty much since we started this podcast, but I feel like over the last two weeks, three weeks or so, they've been running that stuff a lot more. Agreed. And especially with Hart on the floor, I expect you can see it additionally because Hart's a good role guy. Yeah. Role player. We know he can finish well around the basket. We know he was a sharp basketball IQ. Um, and we know that those two guys have chemistry. They've been playing together for, you know, six or seven years, um, for a few years together. And now they're, they're reunited. So um, there's, you know, uh, yeah, I, I mean, all things considered, um, you know, it, I'll be interested to see what the spread is in this game. Um, and it's in Atlanta, but, you know, that's, that's never a strong home court advantage. Um, this is a game, again, you know, Nick's, just, the hardest thing, and, and coaches will always tell you, is to keep guys hungry um, when you experience when you experience some success. So the Knicks, um, you know, but but Tibbs is you know one of his strengths is, is keeping teams motivated. Um, you know, this yeah. is the last game before the break. You know, they want to enter on a positive note and kind of continue this momentum because um, they they are uh, you know season high number of games above five hundred now. Can they close this this? You know, we talked about. Knicks potentially, you know, four games ago, can they get to the All-Star break two, in three weeks ago? Can the Knicks get to the All-Star break above 500? Now you want to get greedy and now you want to put those wins in the win column um, and make them stand up. Because if you want to establish yourself as a playoff team and not a playing team, um, these are the games you want to take care of. Yeah. And when you look at this matchup, I mean, you know, the Hawks have had a tough time defensively for a lot yeah. of the season and um, they had a tough time against the Charlotte Hornets a, lot, a couple of times this season. It's not the first time the Hornets put up a lot of points on them this right. year. So the Knicks offensively, the last two games, since they added Josh Hart, they've been awesome on that side of the ball. I mean, they've been extremely efficient. Um, they've put up a big number of points, 124 last game, 120 uh, plus against the Jazz. So I think that the Knicks will be able to score against this team. Um, yeah. And if they're able to do that, uh, that will definitely keep them in the game. And I think, again, their their ability to defend will be just a lot stronger with Josh Hart. I mean, Deuce McBride's a good defender, but he's so small. Um, he doesn't give you really much switchability. He doesn't give you much versatility other than being able to guard his position. Josh Hart can guard probably three positions. So the Knicks, uh, I, I like this matchup. And when we think about, uh, you know, if the Knicks aren't able to get into that top six spot for whatever reason, uh, the Hawks, I think, are – likely to be a team that they would face face in their playing situation whether it be in new york or in atlanta and like i said before i think that not that i'm welcoming a matchup with trey young because of how he's played against the knicks in the past in the postseason but it just feels like this Knicks team with mitchell robinson coming back and whom assuming he comes back healthy they'd be in a pretty good shape i, I would feel good about the knicks facing the hawks in that kind of matchup it's the other thing we haven't talked about last couple of pods is the knicks are doing this without their starting center 
Um, and exactly. Sims is, you know, you've seen a lot of, you know, you've seen, you've seen diminishing marginal returns from Sims minutes, um, much like Barrett. He was minus 11 in, in his 24 minutes yeah. last night. Um, so he is not, he's really given the Knicks nothing, you know, next to nothing on most nights. Um, you replace that with a guy who was their best defensive player over the first half of the season. Um, you, there's, there's a lot to like there. Um, you know, obviously Hardenstein has played more minutes than, than Sims. Um, so, and he's played much better. So it's kind of offset each right. other. But if you can go 24 minutes of Mitch Rob and 24 minutes of Hartenstein, this new, you know, Hartenstein version 2.0 um, that's been so effective. <laughs> that's that's solid 48 minutes of center right there. Um, and, and, and then you introduce Hart into the mix. Um, Hart, uh, you know, you, you're closing a closing lineup with with Hart and Mitch Rob. And, you know, either and or IQ and Grimes, like those are good defenders. You can put four, three or four very good defenders on the floor, along with Brunson and Randall. Um, there's a there's 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 again reasons to be excited. Um, we have to see it play out. We have to see, you know, Mitch Rob come back healthy. He still hasn't been cleared for um, full contact. We found that that was reported yesterday. Um, but he's yeah. ramping up, progressing, heading in the right direction. They're obviously, you know you know, going to err on the side of caution. Um, but then even when he gets back, he has to stay healthy, which is never given with Robinson. Um, but, uh, you know, you factor his defensive capabilities um, and, and you know his ability to dunk and, and take the top off of defense. There's a, a, another reason um, why Knicks can, can envision uh, potentially securing that five or 60. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when you look at the Hawks, as, as, as you know, in terms of where they stand, the Knicks are trying to hold off from them catching them at some point again, Knicks had a big uh, boost last night, winning and the Hawks losing. I just, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I was never, I was not high on the Hawks coming into this season because I thought that the Eastern Conference was strong and and too strong, despite them adding Jonte Murray. In some ways, I think this has gone a lot worse than even I thought it would be for the Hawks. Like I, I thought that they would, um, you know, they'd be around seven or eight, but I thought they'd be much better. I thought they'd be well above five hundred at this point. It just feels like they're kind of in a team in no man's land now. I know that there was this attitude that the, the Hawks had this, you know, big ceiling because they went to the conference finals a couple of years ago. But when you look at them now, I, I don't really see where this this big margin for growth is. I mean, maybe it's pairing Mari and one of these other younger guys for another star player. But uh, just in terms of just where the Hawks stand, do you one, do you see them being able to catch the Knicks and also – just where they stand just kind of in the NBA and their, their chances of, uh, of eventually making another run in the postseason. I don't know what to, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know what to make of the Hawks. There's clearly everyone's not on the same page. There are reports of beef between young and the head coach and he sits out a yep. game and, you know, they get, that's a situation they're going to have to figure it, itself out in the off season. And, and I'll give you a, 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 and I'll give you a guess as to who the, the team gets rid of the, head coach, <laughs> yeah. the, the yeah. once in a generation point guard who averages 25 and 15 on a bad night. Um, but, you know, th then the question is, and I, and I heard somebody talk about it um, randomly on NBA radio, I think it was yesterday. If the, if the Hawks ever consider trading Trey Young, um, you know, given the fact right. that they have DeJounte Murray and they're, you know, doesn't fit might he demand to trade it could he I, I assume the only way they would consider trading him is if he asked to be traded um and then somebody mentioned brooklyn as a potential landing spot you know you could get he has that kind of big city you could see him as a big city guy yeah. he's a big yeah. ticket draw the nets have i tell you what if you want to if you want to get that nixon nets rivalry back off that, that would be the that would be the move to make if you were brooklyn Bring right young. right it, it just uh, makes sense i assume oh, i could man. definitely see brooklyn loving you know and they as well they should they should do everything to get him um and then you know you pair him with miguel bridges and and, and Claxon, you know defenders um but then you know the nets you know obviously 
A lot of people say now the Nets have all this draft capital. They do have a bunch of picks. They obviously got from the Suns unprotected picks um, uh, and the, and the, all the, the second rounders from the Bucks. But they, remember, the, the Rockets control the Nets draft, too. Um, exactly. It really hurts their ability to, to, to make trades. But um, if there should ever be a case where, you know, Trey Young gets put on the block, um, you know, this, there was that discussion to be had that the Brooklyn would be one of the places that would make sense just in terms of fit and, and uh, you know, big city and, and they would obviously pay him. And, you know, he seems like a guy that would want to play in New York. Um, and obviously the rivalry with the Knicks would, would be a natural fit. And he would sell seats, too, which is something that certainly matters to Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Because um, they that that that, that arena is not going to is going to lose a lot of season subscribers. Uh, yeah. Season. Um, but uh, that's the hero there, um, you know, kind of big picture. You know, I think this is going to be a big off season for the Hawks. They got to decide what to do with Collins. They got to decide what to do with the coaching staff. They got to decide, um, you know, whether Steve Bay is a guy that they're going to commit to long-term um, Okongwu and, and Clint Capella. Um, they kind of face a similar situation as the Knicks do with Obi Toppin uh, to find him enough minutes. He, Cause he'd be a starting four or five on a lot of teams. Um, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Um, and just as far as Wednesday night, um, you know, they're, they're still trying to figure their pieces out as well as the Knicks. Um, but again, they're, they certainly don't seem to have the chemistry and the cohesion that the Knicks have shown um, of late. So, you know, maybe the Knicks will, will have that going in their favor. But as, as far as the playoffs are concerned, um, I do not I would prefer not to play uh, Trey Young in a winner take all, you know, seven, eight game, you know, where you know, your season's <laughs> yeah. on the line. I think the Knicks would be favored. They rightfully so. They have the pieces that, to keep them in check. You could throw hard at them. You can throw Grimes at them. You can throw IQ at them um, and certainly make them work. Um, but they have some other solid players that 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 can scare you. Um, but there are no easy outs once you get into the top six or seven teams. Um, and that's why it's so important from a Knicks perspective to try to secure one of those top six spots so you're not in that, um, you know, life or death situation for a game or two. Uh, at the end of the regular season. Exactly. Knicks, Nets, Wednesday, 7.30 at uh, the Highlight Factory over in Atlanta. Should be a good one. It always is a good one between the Knicks and Hawks. So looking forward to that one. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Blood. Thank you guys so much for listening to us once again. Tommy, let the people know they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart, on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. That will do it for today's episode. Of course, this is an Orange and Blue Buds, an RC original that you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free RC app. Make sure you hit the subscribe and auto download feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes whenever we drop. We have one more dropping this week, so keep your ears peeled for that. Um, also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. We're on the Odyssey Sports channel. We can catch not just our segments of these episodes, but also the full episode uh, as a whole. So make sure you check that out as well. You can find that on the Odyssey Sports channel page. That'll do it for now. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. For Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace. <laughs>